0: Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. A reading from the good news of salvation according to Luke. Jesus began speaking in the synagogue saying today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing and he spoke they spoke highly of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth they also asked isn't this the son of joseph he said to them surely you will quote me this proverb physician cure thyself and say Do hear in your native place the things that we have heard you you have done in Capernaum. And he said, Amen, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Indeed, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was closed for three and a half years. And a severe famine spread over the entire land. It was to none of these that Elijah was sent, but only to a widow in Zarephath, in the land of Sidon. Again, there were many lepers in Israel during the time of Elisha the prophet, yet no, not one of them was cleansed, but only Naam the Syrian When the people in the synagogue heard this, they were filled with fury. They rose up and drove him out of the town and led him to the brow of a hill on which their town had been built to hurl him down headlong. But Jesus passed through them and went away. The good news of the Lord. Hallelujah! Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. alleluia. Hi. My name is Paul Farron. I'm a priest of the Diocese of St. George's in Grenada. Do you know where that is, Grenada? Former British colony, 120 miles north of the equator, and it never snows. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. You ever heard of Brooklyn? A while ago, I was preaching in New Hampshire. Before the liturgy, I was speaking with some of the men in the sacristy, and after about 20 minutes, one of them turned to me and said, Father, your English is very good. (laughs) I still haven't figured out whether he was talking about Grenada or Brooklyn. Um, It was a compliment. Anyway, I'm here on behalf of the poor of developing countries served by Cross Catholic Outreach, or Cross Catholic, or cross as we refer to ourselves. And I know you're familiar with Cross. Father Kunzman was here a couple of years ago. Before that, Father Fulton was here. Preaching on behalf of the poor whom we serve, and what I want to do first of all is thank you for your generosity along the way, parishioners of St. Luke. You've, through your generosity, you've been able to give homes, food, water. Um, that's gospel work. Thank you for that. What I'd like to do today is update you on some more recent developments with Cross Catholic, and tell you some of my experiences as well. But before I do that, some words about the scripture readings today and where we are liturgically in the liturgical year, uh, because they both bear very much on you and me as Catholics, as, as Christians, as people baptized into the life of Christ, doing the best we can with what we got to live the gospel that Jesus gave us. Liturgically, we've been through the birth of Christ. We've been through the promises uh, in Isaiah and Advent. We've been through the um, Jesus uh, being born. Uh, the reality that a certain, at a certain point in our human time, that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same one who led the people of Israel through the desert by a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud during the day, that same God chose to become something other than God and in choosing to become something other than god that god took on flesh as you and i are flesh learn what it is to be terrified as he was at his crucifixion learn what it is to mourn as he did at the death of his friend lazarus learn what it is to laugh as you and i laugh to love as you and i love In short, our God isn't a God removed from us, kind of way up in the heavens, cloud hidden, whereabouts unknown. Our God is a God who's right here, right now, who who knows what it is to be human, who feels with us. In short, our God is a God of compassion. And for the past 2,000 years, that's made all the difference in the world. So following the nativity, we've had epiphany showing forth jesus shown forth as the son of god and we don't have one epiphany liturgically in the church we have three the first one as we see in the manger is the the one where the magi are coming to worship at jesus cradle and he's shown forth as being the ruler as being a king the second one is jesus baptism where Um, The Holy Spirit comes down and a voice comes from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him, or the other version, uh, this is my beloved son um, in whom I am well pleased. And the third epiphany is Jesus' first miracle, which we heard two weeks ago. Jesus changing water into wine, showing himself as the son of God. Following that, last week we had, and today's gospel is a continuation of that, Jesus getting up in the synagogue, reading from scripture, saying about the prophecies of what's going to happen, lifting up the poor, and he says, today this is fulfilled in your sight. Jesus is claiming that he is the fulfillment of the prophets. It's Jesus' inauguration speech and what happens after his inauguration speech they say well maybe he's not so great you know and and he says uh, well look my message is for everyone in the time of Elisha and in the time of Elijah it wasn't to the people of Israel it wasn't to the tribe of Israel that God made changes that God entered into the world uh, creating miracles it was to people outside there were many widows in, in Israel, but it was the one outside who was uh, who was able to be cured. To, to was able to be helped by Elijah, and it was the leper, the Syrian leper, who was cured at the time of Elisha, and this made them furious. And they took him to a cliff and they said, "We're going to throw you they, to throw him over." And if we see it in movies, we we kind of usually see Jesus all of a sudden glowing and, and walking through the crowds miraculously, I'd prefer to think of it as Jesus just looking them in the eye with the truth, with the reality of who he was, looking in them in the eye, and as a result, them stopping and saying, hey, I have to recalibrate. I, ha- I have to rethink who this person is. And so he continued on his journey. He looked at the he walked he went through them, walked through their midst, and he went away. The message that he brought was for the whole world. It wasn't just for the one tribe, it wasn't just for a select group of people. It was for everyone. And the message was very simple, it was very profound. They asked him what's the greatest commandment he said it's one love god love one another it's one it looks like two is it love god or is it love one another it's one as jesus said how can we love god if we don't love our sister and brother and not simply sit back and say well i don't murder them well sure I guess I love my sister and brother no you and I are called to actively love our sister and brother how can we even pretend that we love our sister and brother if we don't love the one who created them to love God and love one another it's one and the same thing they're absolutely inseparable how do we do that time and again in scripture Jesus gives us example after example how to do that We have the Sermon on the Field, we have the Sermon on the Mount. We have the parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We have the parable about that man who stores up all those wonderful riches for himself. And then at a certain point he hears, you fool, tomorrow your life will be taken from you. In Matthew 25 they ask Jesus, well when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you naked? When did we see you in prison, they ask him. And he says, look, as often as you did it for one of the least of my brothers or sisters, you did it for me. These are the eyes of faith you and I are called to see through. Seeing Jesus in everyone, in every single human being. And not just our own private little group, not just our own private little tribe, as he indicated in the gospel today, but every single person, and most especially those most in need, the poorest of the poor. Cross-Catholic outreach. Our mission is to connect the poorest of the poor in developing countries with you and me, who happen to be because of where we were born, the family we were born into, a certain amount of economic wealth we've been able to achieve through hard labor, the country we or our ancestors were able to migrate to. You and I, we simply happen to be so much better off than they. We work with the poor in my diocese, St. George's in Grenada. We do an awful lot of work in Haiti, we've been there for many years, our work continues there despite the, the political situation. Other areas in the Caribbean, as well as Mexico, Central and South America, the Philippines, Vietnam, six countries in Africa. And in all of these countries, we work exclusively with missionaries because they're the ones who see the poor day in and day out. They know their needs. They know how best to address those needs. Missionaries are also the ones who spot projects. They look for ways to help to bring the poor out of their poverty so they don't have to depend on charity all the time. A while ago, I was in the southern part of Africa in Mozambique where I met a beautiful family. Three girls raising each other. Their parents had died of AIDS. And it was winter time in that part of Mozambique. It goes down to around maybe 45, 50 degrees at night. And these three girls, their names were Martha. Martha. Martha was 13 years old, Dionysia nine, Lydia three years old. They lived in a shack that was simply twigs tied together. There was no door on it. A straw mat on the ground, that was their bed. A torn blanket that the three girls shared. Every day, Marta, the 13-year-old, she was only about this tall. She'd pick up an ax that was taller than she was, chop wood for the fire, build a fire. Dionysia, in the meantime, would walk a mile and a half down the hill to a well that Cross Catholic Outreach had put in for the community there. She'd carry the water back up the hill. Marta would boil up the water and slowly add it to dried corn that she had grounded to cornmeal. This is what they were eating. This is how they were living. Well, due to the generosity of donors to Cross Catholic, we built them a home, a real home. It's made of concrete blocks. It has doors. It has windows. It has a roof on it. And not only that their nutrition has been taken care of as well. On the aisles, there are these brochures, these cross-Catholic outreach brochures. They're on the aisles, would you pass them in please so that each family has one? There are several items I'd like to go through with you. First of all, we're a Catholic organization we're connected with Cor Unum, the Holy Father's personal outreach to the poor. We're part of the new evangelization in the church. There are six Catholic American bishops on our board of directors. If you note the pie chart, you'll see how low our overhead expenses are, only between 5 and 6%. Our mailing list is kept confidential. We don't share, sell, or give away our mailing list to any other group or any other organization. When you make a donation, you'll receive a letter back thanking you for that donation. When you receive that letter, turn it over and on the back it will say, please contact me once a month, every six months, once a year, never again. Whatever you choose to put down, we honor that. We don't want you getting all this mail that you'd really rather not be getting. There's a place to fill in your name and address. The page above next to the pie chart, it says prayer requests. The reason that's there is because workers at Cross Catholic meet every morning for prayer between 8.30 and 9.30 a.m. And they asked if we would add this part to the brochure so they can pray for you and your intentions. Any special intentions you have, please write them in there. They'll be prayed for. Looking through the brochure where it says make an impact, you'll see what we're able to do putting together business expertise and faith. If you or I want a glass of water, we want to take a shower, we go out, we buy a bottle of water, we turn on a tap, we expect clean, fresh water. In Africa, I've seen children carrying water eight miles on their heads back to their families just so that they would have water. In the Dominican Republic and Central America, I've seen children being bathed in streams and rivers that are clearly polluted. $500 helps to sponsor a water project, maybe not unlike the one that Dionysia walks to every day. $2,500 helps to begin to build a home for a family, like Marta, Dionysia, and Lydia. Above where you've written your prayer requests is a perforation. That part of the brochure tears off. And just above where you write your name and address, please note there's a pocket. very big pocket and I ask that you put what donation you can in there, please be as generous as possible, maybe you could help with a water project, maybe you could even help to begin to build a home for a family above where it says prayer requests, it seals like an envelope on the back is the address simply take it home fill it out and drop it in the mailbox, there is a second collection today for cross catholic outreach but I ask also that you take the brochure home, pray over it Look at the faces in the pictures and realize that in these faces, there's the face, well, there's the face of Jesus Christ, who's right here in our midst. On their behalf, I'd like to thank you once again for your generosity along the way, and Father Monsignor Joe for having me here this weekend. Father Jude, thank you for allowing me to preach, and um, may God bless you always. Amen. We now profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ.